you are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Indians. I am your host, Jeff Ellis. Formerly of Scout, formerly of 24-7, formerly of your favorite Cleveland sports blog in some form, way, or another. So let's talk about the game. I'm kidding. There was no game. So we're going to kind of bounce around. I have some sites I'd saved up, some things I wanted to talk about. We're going to continue talking about uh, what could it go on this offseason, some names to know. Earlier in this week, I talked about the fact that the Indians, we know, uh, inquired about Jess Winkler. I did not talk about him, and we're going to talk about him now instead and talk about why um, I think he's an odd fit. With all the other players that I've mentioned, you know, the Trent Grishams, the Brian Reynolds, Cedric Mullins, the Juan Sotos, uh, and I laugh about that because if you missed that podcast, the, the cost to get Juan Soto is astronomical by the, you know, like I said, the trade value site is flawed, but it's fun. Uh, so, you know, basically t- take the top five players on the Cleveland Indians and I get you one. So, well, that's not... So if you did Bieber and Jose Ramirez, uh, you'd still probably have to throw in, like, Daniel Spino to get there. That's the long and short of it. Uh, and I forgot, we're also going to talk about the Fangraphs trade value. Uh, they did a top 50 players in terms of trade value. Two Indians are listed, so we'll talk about that as well. But let's start with Jess Winkler. Je- Winker, not Winkler. I always wanted Dan Winkler was a baseball player. Jess Winker uh, was a former uh, competitive, uh, not competitive, compensation pick back in 2012. That is the uh, same draft year as uh, Tyler Naquin. Naquin went around 18, and uh, Winker went 18th in the compensation round, or 49th overall. That was one of the last years before they kind of changed that compensation system. Uh, I believe that 2012 draft is the year like the Tampa Bay Rays had something like eight or nine picks in the top 100. It was absolutely ridiculous. So Winker, uh, it took him a while to come up. He is 28 years of age, and, you know, his first few stops, I mean, he performed well. Let's let's be fair, but he debuted all the way back in 2017. Always been a terrible defender. Uh, I'm really hoping I left up. His uh, baseball savant data, outs above average, 5th percentile, and outfielder jump, 1st percentile. That's right, he is the worst jump of any outfielder in baseball. He is not a quick guy. Sprint speed's a negative 27. Now, all the offensive stuff is lightish to dark red. I mean, he kills the ball. Expected batting average, 96. Expected slugging, 89. Barrel, 74. K percentage, 84. Walk percentage, 77. He is a complete hitter in every way, shape, or form. He is a DH, masquerading as an outfielder. So that's your first problem. I mean, this Winker, one can honestly make the case, is a worse defender than Fran Mill Reyes. By the data, he is a worse defender than Fran Mill Reyes. So if he went to the American League, he, you know, he's any contract he signs, because he's going to get a big one, uh, would you'd want to play outfield. I'm sure that'd be part of the deal, but a team would be best served with him not playing out there. So that's the first thing that separates him. Mullins, Reynolds, Grisham, those guys are all strong defenders as center fielders. You could put them, any of them in left field and have a excellent defender uh, there as well. Winker, you put him in left field and know he's going to be a net loss defensively. And that Cincy Park is not a hard park to defend in. So we'll just add that to it. 
Number two issue, why Winker, like I said, I know the Indians tried, but why he'd be an odd fit. Uh, he's a free agent after 2023. So those other players you talked about have like four years of team control after this year. Winker has two. He has half the amount of control of any of those other players. So defensive issues and control issues. And he's, he's making 3.15 this year. I bet you he ends up making closer to eight at the end of this year. I think with what he has done offensively, he's going to get a big jump. So that's issue number two. And issue number three, you look at the Reds in general. Uh, they're competing for a wild card. I don't think they have any intention of rebuilding. I don't know how they're going to, how active they'll be in free agency, but Nick Castellanos is going to opt out. He's not going to take $16 million when he's been one of the best hitters uh, in baseball this entire year. Uh, Michael Lorenzen is set to be a free agent. Michael Givens, their closer, is set to be a free agent. Uh, Tucker Barnhart has a $7.5 million option. They should absolutely uh, keep him, uh, at least exercise that option, because uh, but Tyler Stevenson's really turned it on. Uh, there was a time, you know, he's an example of don't leave anyone for dead. Like You looked at him, and he was the 11th overall pick in 2015, and there were some points where he kind of fell off the prospect map. And catchers take a while. Catchers take a long time to develop, longer than pitchers. And he's got positive defensive value, and I think a 111 runs created plus. He's been worth 1.9 wins in almost a uh, full platoon with him and Barnhart. Barnhart also has a runs created plus, I believe, over 100 with solid defense. So you absolutely exercise a $7.5 million option because I think he's tradable. Uh, if you are the Reds, there's going to be someone who needs a catcher. There's always a team that needs a catcher, and they'd have an alternative. They'd have someone there who can go and catch. And if you guys, if they are ready to play Stevenson every day, well, good on them. And Barnhart will net them something. $7.5 million is cheap for a usable catcher, especially when you look at the free agent market. Uh, Travis DeArnd was arguably going to be the top catcher in free agency. Uh, the Braves re-signed him for a reason because <laughs> there is not a lot of options out there. Uh, Fangraphs is being incredibly slow right now because I wanted to pull up exactly how much money he got in his extension. Uh, he signed... Now his club option is uh, two years, 16 million... I'm sorry, two years, so he's getting $8 million a year in 2022 and 23 with a club option for 2024, which likely means a buyout. So, yeah, and he is 32. Barnhart's only 30. So And he hasn't been as good in terms of production either. Uh, so if Barnhart was... Uh, if they didn't pick up his option, he'd be the top catcher in free agency by a significant, significant margin. So just to go back to the Reds in general. If they lose Nick Castellanos, uh, they'll still have Tyler Naquin to play center field. They'd still have... Right now, you project Winker in left field. Nick Senzel has been hurt again. Uh, he has been on the DL since the, what, the end of May. Arthroscopic knee surgery, that's another injury. Uh, he's yet to produce in the big leagues. I, you know... When he comes back and he's healthy, I don't know what they do with him, but they, they got to see what they have there at some point. Uh, they're going to pay Shogo Akiyama $8 million next year. He was really bad this year. I don't know if a buyout would be possible if he'd want to go back to Japan to maybe play a little bit more regularly. Uh, that, that could happen. Arrestus Aquino or, has never lived up to that hot stretch. Sometimes those happen. So why am I saying this? Because this is a team right now that's employing three former Indians, Delano DeShields, Tyler Naquin, and Astrubal Cabrera. They need Delano DeShields because their outfield depth situation 
is what it is. So on top of everything else, uh, the Reds don't seem likely to trade a Jess Winker type because they have nothing internally to replace him. They're already going to be down Castellanos likely. Uh, they don't have a prospect just sitting there waiting to jump up. Uh, their next hitting prospect, uh, Jose Barrio, who's already in the big leagues, is a backup shortstop. Hopefully for them, he becomes a starting type of shortstop. They have Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo, who are interesting pitching prospects. I've never been as big on Austin Hendrick. Um, I liked the Matt McLean. I liked their whole draft last year. They've got some interesting prospects, but yeah, they're they're just not in a situation. Again, they, uh, you know, they're a game back in the wild card. They made the playoffs last year. They were set up to compete. This core of pitching they have, uh, they're losing. You know, their top setup man and their top closer to free agent. Pit- free agency potentially but uh Luis Castillo I think they have two more years of control control one more year of control of Wade Miley uh Vladimir Gutierrez is a rookie so a lot of control there three years I want to say with Sonny Green and Tyler Molly looks like he'd have about three years left so they have like a two to three year window with the pitching staff they have and I think they're going to go next two years maybe in year three they'd consider a rebuild but uh, they're not trading Winker because, again, at the end of two years, that's when he hits free agency. That's when a lot of this core hits free agency. So for as much as people bring him up, and his name comes up a lot because he is playing for the Reds. It's another Ohio team. You can just kind of sometimes accidentally uh, catch some information about the Reds out there. It's very easy. I mean, I feel like you know I'm a baseball guy. I love football and basketball as well. But I feel like sometimes I know more about the Bengals than any other team just because it's the other Ohio team. Even though Detroit and Pittsburgh are closer to Cleveland than Cincy, uh, there's always just that interstate stuff. And that could also be because I you know, went to school at Ohio State. And, uh, man, I, I remember my anger when the Bengals were the uh, team of choice on TV and not the Browns. Uh, but at the time, it made sense. The Browns, you know, uh, were awful for pretty much uh, most of my adult life. But enough about that Cleveland team that is doing well right now. But, yeah, so why I didn't talk about Winker earlier comes down to he doesn't have the control. He's going to get ex- he's more expensive in cost. Now, he's actually probably cheapest to acquire technically, but I don't think the Reds have any interest in moving him. And then the defensive issues, uh, like I said, you could make a case that if you traded for him, he should be the DH for him. Reyes should move back into left field like he was with the Padres. And side note, I was thinking about that today. You know, I talked about the Padres probably too much on the show yesterday. I still stand by Mackenzie Gore is my number one offseason target because the Indians can fix him. And I, I don't know if I stated this exactly, but the Indians were so good at and so smart for a long time finding the teams that developmentally were dumpster fires, like the Cincinnati Reds, for instance. They are not anymore. They are not at all, not even remotely. But they would look at those teams and acquire talent knowing that they're badly developed, knowing that there's things that can easily be fixed. I think part of the reason the Indians made so many trades... Now, the first trade they made, the Bauer one, uh, it's not... They were getting guys already in the majors from San Diego. I mean, Fran Mill was the star of that, and he was already a performer in the big leagues. I I guarantee you uh, San Diego would love to undo that trade uh, right now. Uh, all aspects of it, they would gladly trade Austin Nola and uh, give up what they've done just to uh, to get Fran Mill back. But the Indians, I think, why did they trade for six prospects? And some of those guys, you know, Naylor and uh, Quantrell, kind of down-valued prospects. Now, the Indians did that before with Cliff Lee uh, with that trade. And at the end of the day, uh, you go back and you look at the Cliff Lee trade. 
And yeah, there's the Jason Donalds and the Lou Marsons and the Jason Knapps of it all. But, you know, Carlos Carrasco was in there as well, whose prospect value was lower at the time uh, because he had just kind of been around for so long. Uh, it could have been some of that, like that deal. I mean, it's a similar deal in a lot of regards, just how many players they got. Uh, but I think the Indians also, you can look at San Diego. They were considered like the top top team for prospects for so long. And they have Fernando Tatis, who is just a, arguably, you know, one of the, I don't think it's even arguable. He's a generational talent at this point in time. Uh, he was too good to fail. And who else? Everyone else has been a trade. I mean, they have, they have traded, 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 and it makes it fun. But uh, it's also made them, you know, they're, fighting for a wild card and they may not get there and I you know Preller did a pretty terrible job when he came in and he traded all the prospects to try to win in a window that didn't exist uh, and then he built up the prospects and then uh, you know made remember like when the deal got undone for like Cozart and Colin Ray uh, which I think was like the Chris Paddock deal originally because like they lied about data uh, and then or some other stuff. There were some things that made him look shaky. And again, he goes and he makes all the trades, but no one ever really wins by making, you know, 30 trades. It, that, that team has never been successful in the history of sport, it feels like. Uh, so I think, you know, again, go back, listen to yesterday's long show. Uh, I think since he right now is doing a good job of player development, I think that they don't make as much sense. And, and I'll stand that San Diego's trying to win, so they're not going to trade Grisham when they have, like, no outfielders. So it really does come down to, like, are the Pirates going to go look long-term? You know, is Brian Reynolds uh, someone they'll consider trading? It feels like no, and that's... I just keep coming back to Cedric Mullins because I just... Baltimore, I think, is always open and available. There is always a price. They need pitching, and they need shortstops. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll talk about some other stuff. Let's do our commercial break. We're already kind of late in the show for it. We'll come back and continue talking about you know names to know, players to think about, guys who could help the Indians in a year. Let's talk about Built Bar. I got a text today from Built Bar because I've opted into everything because I love this product so much. On my little side desk here, I've got the Banana Cream Built Puff, and I've got my Rocky Road, and I have one orange bar. Uh, now, if those all sound good, unfortunately, you can only get the orange right now. But you want to be paying attention because there's always new fun things coming. This is not a company that sits on their laurels. And when I go and I place my order, one, I get my built bucks. I always have 5 to $10 off just from doing these purchases. And then I use that promo code LOCKDOWN15 so I can save money on my order, save the 15%. Because, yes, you look at it and sometimes you're like, that's an expensive bar. I have had someone tell me that. It's, I mean, if you're going to buy one of their competitors, protein bars are expensive. That's just the truth of it. Let's, let's do real talk. These are a delicious tasting one. These are the best tasting ones I have ever had talked about the fact that I'm someone who cannot uh, eat gluten. Most of my food, you can taste the difference between gluten and non-gluten-free, unless it's really good. Built Bar is one that's so good that you don't care. Uh, you can't taste the difference. I'm looking at one that is a banana cream puff. Like, doesn't that sound like a dessert? It doesn't sound like a 130 calories, 17 grams of protein, five sugars. Gets an A rating on my health food app. Gets a A rating by my taste buds. Go check it out for yourself. That is BuiltBar.com. Remember to use that promo code LOCKED15. Makes us look good and it saves you money. So I, I decided just to talk about another player. 
and we'll talk about maybe later how the Mets and the Indians still might match up. But let's talk about this trade value piece that I've been hyping, and then we're going to talk about the Yankee series in segment three. So back in July, I totally missed it. I was just doing my own thing. Uh, Fangraphs did a trade value piece, and it's very interesting to kind of go through and look at this in general uh, to see who they kind of value at and where. Like DeGrom is 10th, even though his injury history, and you, you go through the whole list, and Fernando Tatis is one. That, that may, I was kind of surprised a little bit by that um, because uh, Ronald Acuna's contract is so good that it's hard to unseat him. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero still being an arbitration is an excellent value, and Ozzy Albies has another ridiculously team-friendly contract. So those are the, you know, those are clearly the top four. Uh, Soto being fifth is just a product of him having less years of control. Everyone else in that group is four more years. Uh, and then Wander Franco, the generational talent, as many people view him at six. That makes sense. Mookie Betts is kind of your first big money guy at seven. So where are the Indians? Uh, Shane Bieber fell two spots. And he is down to 12 from 10. Uh, he is one spot ahead of Mike Trout, one spot behind Jordan Alvarez. At 14 is Corbin Burns. At 15 is Garrett Cole. Now, that one strikes me as odd uh, just because his contract almost makes him untradeable to me. Like, I, I don't understand Garrett Cole as a 30-year-old with that. I don't think he's the 15th. That is the one where I was like, eh. Like, I am 100% positive that 16 is Cabron Hayes. If they try to do a straight-up trade, Pittsburgh would say no. And with Otani at 17, uh, they would say no. And Zach Allen at 18, they would say no. And Brandon Woodruff at 19 would say no in a Garrett Cole deal. So I don't quite love all of this. I think one of the most surprising ones might be Jake Cronenworth at 21. But I see he's a flexible guy. He does a lot of things well. But to go back to Bieber, uh, the question essentially comes down to health. You know, he missed some time this year. Uh, there were a few small things here or there through his career. So it, he got dinged for his health. That's why he moved down a little bit on his list. He is behind Walker Bueller. Uh, and that's the thing, too. Like, Walker Bueller, it feels like he's been out for a while. Bueller and Bieber have the same number of years left before they hit free agency. Jacob DeGrom is sitting at 10 right now. And it's weird to me that you'd put DeGrom at 10. Like, the Indians would not trade Bieber for DeGrom. Uh, and DeGrom jumped from 48th to 10th. Now, I know DeGrom's been really good, but he's 33, and he's his health has been a massive issue, and he's making 37, 34, and 32. This is where, like I said, it's a really interesting piece, but I felt like it kind of fell apart a little bit. DeGrom had 30 starts in 17, 18, and 19, had 12 last year, just 15 this year. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's where I kind of get I think sometimes they're not giving enough of a negative dig on a huge contract, that there are teams who would not be able to go out and acquire those players, that that is a bigger deal. At 26 is Jose Ramirez. He fell from 17th, and part of that is more... The two big hits on him, essentially, were, one, he's only got two years of control left. You go through this whole list, that two years of control is the lowest um, that any player on the list has. Everyone has two or more. There's a lot at two. Like, right after him, Jack Flattery, one more step down, Lucas Giolito. Uh, one more step down, Julio Urdes. Uh, you go down to 31, there's Matt Olson. The other issue is Jose Ramirez. He's got kind of a thick body build. He's got a bad body. Uh, people think that he'll uh, have a prototypical aging curve that with his contract, you know, you're going to get him 
to age 30, but you may not want him beyond age 30 was kind of the line in the piece, essentially, that, you know, he has a, he makes 11 and 13 million. That's incredibly valuable. He's going to be 5.5 to 6 win player, which, you know, again, this makes him the 26th best trade asset in baseball. Framber Valdez, which felt a little aggressive, is one spot higher. Adley Rushman at 24 feels way underrated, in my opinion. I just had to go look up Framber, just be like, am I, you know, am I underestimating his performance in 116 innings this year? See, this is the thing, too, where I look at that. He's been worth 1.6 war. Like, Framber's been good, but you're telling me he's been better. Like, he's got four years of team control. I feel like this is one of those things written by Kevin Goldstein, who used to work for Houston, has, you know, a little bit of a higher. I don't know if San Diego would trade Trent Grisham, who's lower on the list for him. I don't know if, I know pretty sure, I, I'm almost guaranteed Will Smith wouldn't get traded straight for him. Randy Arena, who's got five years of team control. No. Ian Anderson, who's down at 39. No. Teams would take Ian. I don't know anyone who would take Framber over Ian outside of a Houston fan. So there's some things in here that, you know, Trevor Rogers at 41. Again, I think I'd probably take him over Framber as well. But there's some shifting and there's some things where I'm like, hmm, I don't know. But I think it's an interesting piece. Kevin is a very smart writer. I loved all the work he used to do. Ben Clemens has done a lot of great work over the years as well. So they're smart. This is well-reasoned. You can go through, even if I don't agree with all of it, it's very logical. It's very smart. It's very well put together. It's definitely worth your time. So you can go check that out over at Fangraphs, the trade value piece. Two Indians in the top 26, I think is what I said there. So that's interesting to see. I don't think they're going to end up trading either of them this offseason. I still think they hold on to Jose until at least midseason. That's been kind of their thing. And they might... He's the rare guy that there's... A chance to just let it play out. Uh, we'll see, but I think when he's kind of the face of the franchise after everything else they've done, it if he plays out and leaves in free agency, it's still set up to get him a pick. It's significantly less the value than they would get by trading him, uh, and they've been very opposed to letting players walk, but it also ends up being a lot better in the publicity wars. I'm going to take a quick commercial break and then preview this Yankee series. So one of our fantastic sponsors is betonline.ag. Let's see what they think about tomorrow's matchup of Zach Plesak versus Corey Kluber. It should come as no surprise that when you have uh, a game that is in New York that Plesak is getting a run and a half. Over, under is nine and a half in this one. I have not been watching Kluber enough lately to know if that is a good bet or not. That was also interesting for you Cleveland fans out there. Most of the day, I saw the Browns line reported as 12.5. They have it as 13 here, so that could be an advantage to you when you go and you consider where to spend your money if you want to put money on one of these games. And remember that right now when you go to bet online, use the code NFL100 to get a 100% welcome bonus. 100%. I talked about you never hear higher than 50. I was wrong because bet online came back with a one that is now a 100% welcome bonus. Anything you can imagine, they have it over at Bet Online. Check it out for yourself. Remember that promo code is NFL100 to get the biggest bonus ever. Let's talk about DirecTV. Does this sound familiar? You got one device that lets you catch the game live, another lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone. You've got your neighbor's best friend log in for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle. A great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes. No need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together 
with DirectTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device is required. Content varies by package. So the Indians face the Yankees. Uh, it's always a fun time. Uh, well, as a kid, it was not because the Yankees, uh, it felt like they always took over Cleveland's home stadium. The Yankees were very hyped coming in this year, and they've started out very slow. And they got in a hot stretch, and they've kind of come back to earth. Right now, they're in an uphill battle for the wild card. I mean, they are fourth in their division. As a reminder, the only team worse is the Orioles, who have been the worst team in baseball. The Orioles are 43 and a half games back of the Rays. The Blue Jays and Red Sox are currently both eight and a half games back of the Rays, and the Yankees are at nine games back. Call me crazy, and I know maybe it's just I'm a 40-year-old man. I got very tired of Boston in my lifetime. I would rather see the Yankees make it than the Red Sox. That's that's my little thing I'm going to throw out there. The Blue Jays are for sure the team uh, I would like to see go there, and I will always root for Oakland, though their chances seem very low. Uh, I would root for Seattle as well. Uh, I'd love to see New York and Boston not make it. But Boston's always the one that got more under my nerves. But let's do our spot-by-spot comparison. So starting out at catcher, uh, they have Gary Sanchez and, you know, Kyle Higgy, uh, as they call him, Higgy Higaishaoka. Uh, like, I wouldn't mind trading for Higaishaoka. He's been uh, a very solid defender. And offensively, I think he's got like a 99 runs created plus. Like he's very close to average. Uh, it's a pretty easy win there. Uh, I know uh, the situation with Gary Sanchez has been up and down with both his offense and his defense. But over the course of this year, he's been solid. He's been steady. That's that's an easy win. You go to first base. They traded they traded for Anthony Rizzo. That's a win. Even if they still had Luke Voigt, it's a win. Uh, Voigt did get two games at DH and one at first base this week. He still continues to play well. Moving to second, Glybar Torres, who has had his struggles there defensively. Uh, well, he's had his struggles at shortstop, but he's mostly playing second this week. He played four games at second, two at short. Uh, he's hitting well, uh, better than what the Indians are getting, so three-spot advantage. Uh, their shortstop this week, you had two games to Giovanni Urshela. You had two games to Tyler Wade. You had two games to Glybar Torres. Urshela, I mean, see, this is where it's hard. I'm going to, I guess, make Urshela the shortstop because he played three games at third, as did DJ LeMahieu, but we'll consider LeMahieu the third baseman. Uh, Urshela is not quite doing as well as he did in years past. Now, to also qualify this and say he's... He's got a 92 runs created plus. He's walking 5% of the time. Teams are kind of figuring him out a little bit more. Uh, he's been a below league average hitter at short. The problem is the Indians, uh, Ahmed Rosario, has gone on the bereavement list. Uh, he's heading to the Dominican Republic to spend time with his grandmother. And you know what? I'm more than okay with that. Uh, you only have so much time with people. It's not like this is a contending team. Go spend time with your grandmother. That's that's okay. Uh, I, I don't understand anyone who would get mad about that. So uh, He could be up seven days. If Rosario was here, I'd give the advantage of shortstop to the Indians. If he is not with Cleveland, uh, if we assume that it's going to be uh, Jimenez as your, your second baseman, or Chang was the second baseman, Jimenez at shortstop, uh, 
it's not been great for Jimenez <laughs> since he's been called Jimenez Jimenez since he's been called up. So uh, advantage Yankees uh, third base. Hey, advantage Indians. Like DJ LeMahieu, you're good, but uh, Jose Ramirez is Jose freaking Ramirez. So we have one, two, three, four, three point advantage for the Yankees. That, that's that's not ideal. That's not your best start. Uh, let's move to the DH position. Giancarlo Stanton has, has held down that role for them. And uh, his production this year has been very solid. Uh, he has a 133 runs created plus. Uh, the defense is an issue, and yes, he's paid an awful lot of money. And to be essentially a DH, uh, Framo Reyes has done a similar level of production. I think it's a push in terms of what you get from those positions. We head over to left field. Uh, Harold Ramirez played three games there this week. He is the guy for the Indians. The New York Yankees in left field had uh, see they had Gallo for one. And I would say, well, no, okay, so I'm going to change my opinion. So their left fielder of late has been Giancarlo Stanton, who has had his issues defensively, but is still better than Harold Ramirez. So that's an advantage there. Going back to the DH discussion, their primary DH this week, it has been just a complete revolving door position for them. So you go through, it's like Judge, Voight, Voight, uh, Stanton. And yeah, I mean, they've just been going through. It's it's not been, and we'll come back to DH. So let's move to center field. That's from Brett Gardner. Gardner's getting up there in age, 37 years. Okay defender, uh, close to a league average runs created plus. Indians have an elite defender with a slightly higher runs created plus, so that's advantage for the Indians. Move to right field. We'll count Joey Gallo there while he has struggled with the Yankees we talked about earlier this week. Still better than Bradley Zimmer. Uh, You move to the DH position just with a bunch of guys appearing in there twice. Aaron Judge uh, will be listed as the DH. That is advantage over Fran Mill. I love you, Fran Mill, but Judge has been better. He's got a 148 runs created plus. He's been better. So this is a massive lineup advantage, and that's what happens. The Yankees can spend, they can keep their own players, and they can go out and trade for players and sign them to extensions. It's what the Dodgers did with bets. It's an advantage when you are a big market team. Looking at the pitching aspects, the pitching matchups in particular, the first one, Kluber, Plesak, that's kind of a push. Game two, you get uh, Savali versus Gill. That should be advantage. Indians, game three, Eli Morgan versus Garrett Cole. Uh, Garrett Cole is clearly better, even with what I said earlier. Bullpen, the Indi- uh, the Yankees blow him away with Green and Chapman. Uh, Chapman's not been, like, he's 33. He's starting to show some signs of age. Been a lot more home run prone. Uh, he's still solid, uh, still a good pitcher, but he's not really the great closer type. He needs to have the advantage of closer. Chad Green is the Yankees' best pitcher out of the pen. Loisiga and Lucas Lutich have also been uh, used a lot and excellent, so they have a pen advantage. This is a big weekend advantage against for the Yankees. Uh, I would, I, the only game I would feel comfortable projecting the Indians with a significant chance in is in Saturday, uh, but I think every single game they are going to be a favorite to lose. I have been Jeff Ellis. This has been the Locked On Indians podcast. Remember to rate and review, download daily. It helps. Follow me on Twitter at Jeff MLB Draft. And for the next year, go Tribe. After that, go, go Guardians, go.